Somebody's turned up. It's John Moore. Good morning, John. Yes, good morning. How are we today, sir? Yeah, I'm very good today, Jamie. Oh, that's fantastic. Exciting uh, election. Oh, did you enjoy it, did you? I did, I yeah. did. I'm yeah. a bit of a politics geek, so oh, no, you regardless are. of the result, I no, no, enjoyed it. Because you let us know on Friday that we weren't going to vote. Um, no, yes, I'm probably. Gonna, I'm not going to ask whether or not you did. <laughs> no, I didn't vote, no. <laughs> um, It's interesting because people usually say you can't really have an opinion unless you vote, but you've got no choice but to have an opinion. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I strongly disagree with that thesis, though. I think uh, not voting at times is a legitimate political choice mm-hmm. um, if, if nothing's on offer that you like, and I think it can have an effect as well. So that missing million that, that has been talked about for quite a while, I think that's forced the uh, political parties actually to uh, step up their game, to deliver on more, well, to promise more, at Mm -hmm. least anyway, because they're they're trying to to bring in that that section of the population that doesn't vote, especially that youth vote. So it does have an effect, a positive effect. Yeah, I think people, the youth don't vote because they're just lazy shits, to be honest. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) trust me, I used to be a youth. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, let's have a look at it. Um, National... um, quite a big majority let's be honest um over just labor Mm. i mean if you just look at the two main parties let's not um you know before we put the greens in there with with the left Mm. if you look just over labor uh it's it's just over 10 percent yeah it's quite it's it is significant it's very uh and i think it you'd have to say that it was a very successful night for national um it's yeah astounding after three terms i mean under an mmp system that they could do so well even under old first past the post system it would be almost unheard of mm-hmm. for uh, an incumbent party to do so well after even two terms where was it won and lost where was it lost for labor because they, when you just look back three weeks ago they were around leading in the polls uh, and, and you know how i hate polls but this the the, the look of uh, the makeup is exactly as the polls were predicting it essentially mm, mm. so um the polls were on the money i think they lost it in auckland and uh, I, I read a column this morning by Phil Quinn, who was a former Labour Party member as a political columnist, was seen on the right of the Labour Party, but um, his argument is that um, what lost it for Labour it, in a, a, a large number of the Auckland seats was the issue of immigration, that the, um, that the National would be able to go to those um, strong Asian um, sections of the population in Auckland and say Labour is the racist party. Labour uh, in the past um, year has specifically targeted Asian people with that whole uh, argument by Labour that the reason why house prices were shooting up was because of um, Asian people, specifically people with Chinese-sounding names, buying buying up houses in Auckland. And I think... um, yeah, even though Labour's moved away from that more reactionary rhetoric, they still have a, a, a very uh, conservative policy on immigration, slashing uh, immigration uh, by um, um, astounding numbers, really, compared mm. with what they are now. So I think for um, especially aspirational immigrants, uh, the, the argument could be put across that um, you're going to be worse off under a Labour government, especially in coalition with New Zealand First. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think Labour really um, made any... Uh, uh, 
um, effective attempt to distance itself from that more sort of xenophobic line it was pushing uh, early in the year. So essentially, you know, Auckland's a huge city compared to mm. the rest of the country. Nothing else compares to it. And so Auckland essentially rules the roost. And Auckland has a lot of different problems to the rest of the nation mm. as well. Mm. So those, you know, if you're reaching out to grassroots New Zealand, you're not necessarily reaching out to Howick. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, Auckland is key. I mean, uh, uh, over a million and a half people live there in an overall population of four million. So yeah, if, you don't, if you don't win uh, um, Auckland, you don't become government, essentially. The Asian population in Auckland now is reaching about 17%, mm. 18%. Mm. Well, I'm guessing that, because it was 15% about um, about eight years ago. And that was um, a significant uh, amount of people, you know. It's almost, yeah, it'd probably be about 250,000 Mm. Um, Asian immigrants, essentially, in Auckland. And I think it's a, it's a city, I mean, I've lived in Auckland before, and I think it's, uh, it is different to the rest of New Zealand. It's a very uh, metropolitan city. It's a city that looks outward on mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not just to do with recent immigration from Asia, but because of its um, large Pacifica uh, population, and, um, and and just that it's become a you know such a huge melting pot. And so I think it has many different characteristics to the rest of New Zealand. So the type of election campaign that you would run, yeah, more provincial centres or uh, cities such as Christchurch, uh, Wellington, Dunedin, you need a very different campaign in Auckland. And, and you need to target specific uh, demographics in yeah. Auckland as well. So South Auckland is very different to West Auckland, which is very different to East Auckland, etc., etc. So it's really important maybe to have really, really, really strong Auckland candidates that are quite visible there. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of let... Um, you know, of course, they have big policy coming up from central government, from from Jacinda Ardern and the like, uh, but also have um, an Auckland base of MPs and, and potential MPs that are really letting the Aucklanders know how what they're going to do for them and in the city. So you can kind of separate the two, so mm. it doesn't seem like. Um, what you're going to do uh, nationwide is essentially, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonna, I mean, there's specific problems are. that Auckland yeah, has. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think uh, Labour's still got a strong uh, hold on the the South Auckland vote, so the Pacifica vote. Oh, for, definitely. For well, we saw that. Maori. Yeah. But um, they can't rely on that vote to sort of deliver them uh, governmental power. Yeah, and and you've got to admit that the um, the the middle class in Auckland is growing, and the middle class across the whole nation, but especially in Auckland, uh, in those central seats, it is getting bigger. In those northern seats, I mean, the North Shore was probably always going to go conservative anyway. Um, but um, you know, and those people are worried about buying a house. Uh, or, or maybe they already have a house and they're worried about the value coming down on that as well. Mm, mm. Uh, and, and they probably saw Labour uh, with their um, Kiwi build. I think it was Labour had Kiwi build. And, well, uh, and they were worried that the, the price was going to come down on their house and their assets mm. weren't going to be worth as much. Yeah, I, I think that definitely would. Um, I mean, Labour was... <sighs> arguably dishonest about this issue, saying that, okay, if uh, a, a massive rebuild of houses initiated by the state wouldn't bring the, the price of houses down. It has to. 
Yep. It has to. That's basic supply and demand. Um, so I don't think anyone who is concerned about their, their, the value of their property or properties dropping, they wouldn't have been convinced mm. by Labour on that issue. That's not necessarily a problem because I, I believe now almost up to 50% of New Zealanders rent. Um, so if Labour had been able to convince people who uh, either own a single house, just a single house, have no prospects of uh, investing in other property, mm-hmm. or people who rent, that their policies uh, would have been effective for uh, bringing uh, rents down yeah. and offering the chance of people who, who don't have a house to own a house. I think if they had um, convinced that, that that demographic of New Zealand's population, then it would have been a winning formula. Well, here we go again, though, um, with lobby groups um, and right-leaning lobby groups like uh, the Renters Association, well, not the Renters Association, but the, the people that represent the, uh, people, the the people that rent homes out, mm-hmm. uh, the Taxpayers Union, and other ones, they're coming in and scaremongering and saying, you know, your rent's probably going to go up, and, and, and these things are going to go mm-hmm. up, and everything else is going to affect you that's not going to affect mm-hmm. you, and then we have the lies with the loophole and the lies around other taxes as well. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, they're, they're putting fear out there in the mind mm-hmm. of renters. And, and a lot of other and it, areas. It, uh, Labour has to expect that, and it has to have a strong na- narrative to counter those scare tactics. And I don't feel it had a strong narrative. The, the problem with uh, the, the big lies that National was uh, telling over, saying that Labour was going to r- rise... Um, um, uh, pay-as-you-earn tax, that it was going to uh, have capital gains tax, that there was a huge um, uh, fiscal gap. That, yeah. um, the problem with those lies is that there was an element of truth to all those lies, that, that Labour was being wishy-washy and unclear on a number of its policies. So in terms of capital gains tax, it was, quite, it was trying to slip in capital gains tax uh, into uh, the agenda without being open about it. So I was saying, OK, we're going to have a tax committee after we get elected. They'll, they'll tell us what needs to be done in terms of uh, tax around um, the housing issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we will implement that in our first term. There's a huge backlash against that, and, and they flip-flopped on it. And I think um, that was a losing formula for them, that first of all, they were being unclear and a bit dishonest. Um, and, and then secondly, uh under pressure, and clearly to do with the polls, uh, they they flip-flopped on that issue, and I think it, it, it made look as though Labour didn't have a, a clear or honest agenda that it was projecting to the electorate. National lied, absolutely, and, and uh, I think that was shocking, um, but as I said, there was an element of truth to what they said, and yep. that's why their lies hurt Labour so much. Well, we've been looking at a couple of other things as well. Um, the Māori seats, that's a really important one. Mm. Um, because obviously Labour has uh, made a clean sweep. The first time that's happened since uh, New Zealand first did that mm-hmm. back in 93 um, or 96. One of the two, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my it head. It might have been 96. 96, 97? Yeah. 96. Yeah. It was yeah. the first MMP yeah. election. Um, uh, which is always interesting. I love that fact. It's quite <laughs> hilarious. Um, but that's huge. Yeah, that's I think huge that's the most... That's the most interesting thing but about this election. You and I have talked about corporate Māoridom before, mm. uh, and Māori um, Party is pandering to corporate Māori and not necessarily working with grassroots Māoridom. Mm. Uh, and I think that's really has affected this election. I think mm. um, they haven't done enough for the, the, the people at the bottom of the pile. Mm, exactly. I mean, a, a lot of the media and, and, and political pundits seem quite shocked that uh, uh, the Māori Party... Uh, um, 
is wiped out from Parliament now. But yeah, I think the type of discussions we've been having here over the last year, it, um, yeah, there were lots of pointers to say that they were in deep trouble. I called as it. a party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but um, a couple of seats was quite surprising. Um, mm. Of course, a flavour being out. I don't think anyone really, you know, that, that one was going to be touch and go, very yep. close. Yeah, and of course that was the only seat they they held, the uh, Waiariki seat with, with Te Uruaroa flavour. Uh, so um, Marama Fox was uh, a list MP, yep. but they gave one seat, and I think they gained two percent. So that means that um, on the basis of Te Uruaroa flavour winning last time, he brought. Marama Fox alongside him. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the, the presumption that uh, Māori uh, are just going to naturally go along with a Kopapa Māori party is, is clearly wrong. Yeah. Uh, and um, the demise of the Māori party, I don't think, is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, if, if they Ooh, weren't delivering. Yes, brash. Brash, eh? <laughs> uh, if they weren't delivering for their electorate, uh, and if they were, um, I think, legitimately seen as as a party of the um, so-called iwi elite and, and, and more uh, urban corporate Maori and upper middle class Maori, then uh, they de- deserve to um, be punished. And what I found interesting about the campaign and the uh, Maori electorates, which was effectively. Um, um, run by Willie Jackson mm-hmm. um, um, it was quite different that the rhetoric and uh, the policies that were pushed were quite different to the, the general electorate campaign so whereas Jacinda Ardern was very much operating from within the centre even tacking to the right in some ways so saying no no we're not going to raise taxes for the rich we're not going to raise taxes on corporations and then tacking to the left on other issues um, such as the, the, the question of inequality uh, Willie Jackson pushed a very uh, hard materialist um, uh, left line in the Māori seat, saying that uh, Māori haven't delivered, uh, the Māori Party haven't delivered for the electorate, uh, Māori have been hurting over these nine years, it's, it's bread and butter issues, it, it's housing, it, it's mm-hmm. uh, low pay, etc, etc, uh, that Labour can deliver on for Māori, and I think that really hurt um, the Māori Party, that the Māori Party uh, concentrated Almost purely on more cultural issues yep. and, and, and identity issues, where the Labour Labour went in there with and campaigned on, on, on specific materials issues that were really affecting poorer Māori. Mm-hmm. And having Calvin Davis there as deputy as well, I think is probably a good move for that and helped. Yes, lot. absolutely, yes. absolutely. Just yeah. with his dealings around prison and the justice system, mm-hmm. um, because obviously there's an overrepresentation there. Yeah, and he, he he's been pushing a reform line on on prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. That would, I think that would definitely resonate um, within Maori communities. Uh, let's look at Dunedin. Um, if you look at uh, the three seats that Dunedin's in, obviously North and South Dunedin, and you've also got Titai um, Tonga. Mm. Um, big wins for Labour in all those seats. Mm. Um, and of course, this morning um, I, I was saying to you earlier, 
That, and Michael Woodhouse has come out and is blaming everybody under the sun except for himself, uh, and it has a lot to do with the hospital. But uh, once again, it's a you know, Cadbury's is shut down, uh, the hospital rebuild has been delayed, um, you know, don't know where it's going to go. There's been promises for many years from National. This isn't mm. just this election cycle, this has been many election cycles where this has uh, been a big one. Uh, but we've seen um, more jobs being lost at Mitre 10 and a few other places as well. Um, and just like the Māori Party were punished, so has been. Um, national in these seats. Yeah, I mean, even though uh, Labour has continued to hold the two seats, uh, Dunedin South and Dunedin North, um, the actual party vote has been shifting to national uh, mm. over the last decade. You've seen that in a lot of urban areas too. I mean, the same mm. could be said for a lot of seats in Christchurch. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that turned around this time as well. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. It was really, with the exception of Auckland, there, there was actually an urban swing back uh, to Labour. But, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're completely right over the hospital issue, even though um, uh, National came in here, Bill English came down to Dunedin and uh, offered quite a a substantial um, uh, policy platform on building a new hospital here, I guess most people would have... yeah, arguably taking it as just being a sort of opportunistic bribe when mm. there has been a call for a hospital rebuild here for quite a significant time and it wasn't until the last minute that National made a promise on this issue and yeah I think there's kind of a, a, a rust belt uh, uh, effect in Dunedin that you know industry is in decline uh, people are feeling uh, possibly uh, quite vulnerable uh, mm. about their jobs, um, the closure of Cadbury's and, and there's no real solution to that being offered by National. I, I think the, the narrative that National's really not doing anything for um, a more provincial areas uh, and smaller cities like Dunedin, I think that, that that's a convincing narrative. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that they're probably left behind when they look up at Auckland, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think so very much. And, uh, I mean, arguably Labour doesn't necessarily have any concrete solutions to to reversing this decline uh, no. in places like Dunedin. Um, uh, however, um, they, they certainly put, I think, a lot of effort into uh, being on the ground during the electoral campaign, uh, appearing to uh, uh, be concerned about um, major issues, listening to people and seeing what were the major issues, whereas, yeah, in Dunedin at least, it, it, National didn't seem to have much of a presence on the oh, ground. So, uh, back of the buses and that was about it. Mm. That was about it. Um, just quickly now, of course, it's um, coalition time. Yes. When he's on the boat, mm. having a bit of a fish, uh, <laughs> seeing what he can pull up. Um, he'll be a very happy man. It's going to be interesting, uh, and of course he's going to wait until around the 12th, we've still got to wait for those special votes to come in, there's the 360 mm. odd thousand of them, that's 15%, that's nothing to be sniffed, scoffed or sniffed at, majority of those are probably, probably going to go to Labour, the Greens and top. Mm. I think top would be surprising how many you might get. They might get up to 3%. Yeah, you might get up to 3%. And, you know, that 3% has basically been taken away from the... A lot of that's been taken away from the Green Party, I think, from top as well. So that's had a lot... I think that's had its part to play in this election. Um, But, you know, you might get one... You might get two seats back to the left... Mm. Um, which is going to make um, you know only two seats difference between the two blocks. Although the fact that uh, uh, it would benefit National more than Labor if, if um, Top does go slightly up, say to three percent, because because they have they haven't met the five percent threshold. Oh, yeah, it's uh, a waste of vote. Though those votes get relocated uh, amongst the parties, and uh, my understanding is oh, really? that yeah, oh. my understanding is that uh, National would 
would benefit from that as opposed to uh, Labour and the other other opposition parties. Well, one thing I find interesting is that uh, a lot of media pundits and experts don't seem to be taking seriously the idea that we could have a Labour-led government. Uh, it's it's completely feasible. Oh, if, 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 if New Zealand First um, uh, in some way supports Labour along with the Greens, then we have a Labour-led government. Simple as that. Um, yes, National has 46% of the vote, but that's not a majority. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have a majority of seats in, in Parliament. It can't govern alone. Um, and the question to me is, can National deliver to New Zealand First and Winston Peters what he wants? Winston Peters ran quite a sort of a quite a um, a populist um, campaign uh, for the first time in quite a few years he, he's been um, uh, pushing this idea that um, the neoliberal reforms that occurred in the 80s and 90s were disastrous for New Zealand so he's been pushing that like and he's been pushing the idea that he wants to to roll back those uh, neoliberal reforms you know to to, to uh, sucker punch the the economic elite, political elite, you know, mm. using a bit more sort of Donald Trump rhetoric and a bit of sort of leftist sort of Jeremy Corbyn rhetoric as well. And I don't know if his if he wants his legacy to be seen as rolling back some of those uh, right-wing reforms that are still entrenched within our um, political and uh, economic structures, I don't know if National can deliver mm. on that, whereas I think Labour can. And again, on the uh, issue of immigration, which is a key issue for... Um, New Zealand first, I think Labour can, uh, to a degree, give New Zealand first what they want, and they will anyway. They, they, Labour's talking about drastically cutting back immigration, whereas I think National will be a lot more uh, reluctant to, to slash immigration. Yeah. Well, I think Jacinda should just sit back and bide her time. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. She, I, I think she's uh, safe in her position as leader of Labour. Um, she's she's uh, saved uh, a lot of MPs from mm. being uh, biffed out. Yeah. Um, she well, actually saved Andrew Little, ironically, even though she replaced him as leader. He was looking at being biffed out himself. I mean, this could be like this could be ninety six, ninety nine, all over again. I mean, Helen mm. lost the ninety six election, uh, yes. but she was there the whole way through up until ninety nine and got mm. a huge mandate after the ninety six Bolger um, Winston Peters government. Uh, which imploded, uh, of course, after Jenny Shipley got in, mm. uh, rolled Bolger and then kicked uh, Winnie out. Yeah, I think it, it, it could definitely could be his- that. history repeating. It, definitely, yeah. And I didn't when I heard um, uh, Jacinda Ardern speaking uh, on election night after most of the results had come in. I just didn't get that sense that she uh, really had it in her to 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 push forward and try and form a, a, a Labour led yeah. government. She, she had the tone of someone who had been defeated, which I think was a mistake, uh, but yeah, maybe um, people around her like Grant Robertson uh, and, and various of her um, experts that she has around her are saying, were saying to her, no, it's not really feasible to, to push forward for a Labour-led government, mm-hmm. even though they can do it on the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, the fact that um, the Greens have practically um, ruled out confidence and supply from their side. Um, really, because I thought maybe that mm. would that would happen. I thought maybe mm. NZ First and Labour and a formal coalition with the Greens and confidence and supply, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, so. and, uh, good on the Greens for playing a bit more hardball. Because uh, 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 Labour's uh, kicked them in the guts a few times over this election campaign. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they... Um, 
Labor necessarily deserves the green support. Mm, mm. All right, we're going to have to leave it there, uh, but no doubt we'll talk about it a bit more on Friday. For sure. Yes, for yes, sure. indeed. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming in this morning, John. That's okay. And, Always uh, good. Enjoy the rest of your week, mate. I will. Enjoy the last of the heat wave. Yes. Before it disappears. <laughs> All right, it's almost time for news here.